All right. Um, let's do. This is going to be the last lesson that we do in December. So um, we're yeah we're going to recap it and then break. They were um, trying to break today as well, um, but it would have left us in an awkward spot, right? Uncomplete in one area, and then we'd have had to play catch up. I'm pretty sure for a little bit. So. Uh, we're going to do a review. We're going to do a segue into the trumpets uh, because that is a big step. And so um, in order to, to give us an understanding of where we are in the book of Revelation and the events that are going on, I am going to... Now, when, when we talk about things being non-chronological but more uh, uh, recapitulation or recurring... Um, I've gotten the impression that several people amongst the congregants have decided that there's no such thing as uh, chronology in Revelation. That's not true. There are certain things that are chronological. There are certain things that you can assign a specific, not a, an actual date to, but you can say this comes after this. And chapters uh, and seals 6 and 7 do come at the end of the age. That's a given. So there is chronology there. Seal 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 are during the church age. And seal 6 and 7 demonstrate that because they depict the end of the age, together um, they are chronologically after the first five seals. We haven't gotten to those yet. So Revelation is, is one of those books that... Uh, one of the things that we talk about when we say you're, it's not chronology or not chronological, we do so as a counter to a premillennial dispensationalist that tries to make, make a chronological timeline out of the entire event. Once you start doing that, it gets real bizarre and hokey. So what I thought we would do before we jump into the transitions is I'm going to chart this out and I'm going to have you guys give me feedback okay. because I want to see how it's sitting in your, in your, in your mind. So I'm going to try and draw this in such a way as we, we, uh, can understand what is, what is, uh, say chapters one through three, what is the accumulative concept of those three chapters? The churches. Okay. So we're going to draw a circle here like this. And we're going to do one, two, three, four, five. Oh, that's no good. We're going to draw seven and Jesus in the middle, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, and then this is crude. I hope I don't get struck down. How about I just draw a crown? There you go. All right, so what you have is you have the lampstands, the seven churches, Jesus in the middle, right? And then what happens? Then you have two chapters, four and five, that are specifically about what? Come on. I'm sorry? Christ was incarnate. Yeah, it shows him at the finished work, at his, at his glorified state, in his glorified state, after his finished work on the earth. What precedes that? We'll draw that up here. 
What precedes that? What is chapter 4 all about? Andy? Chapter 4 is about the sovereignty of God. God on His throne. God sovereign over creation. It's a big significant point about Revelation. That's why the, the book roughly introduces that aspect before it gets into the, um, um, the flames. Where's my betrothed? Would you grab me a piece of tape out of that building? This thing keeps falling off my head. So this is uh, God, sovereign, and the Lamb. Lion, lamb, okay? Right? Now then, now you have a series of what? Thank you. Now you have a series of what? What do you have? What comes after verse chapter 5? Yeah, 6, chapter 6. Huh? Seals. Seals. Okay, so we're going to draw a line here. Not... Yeah, not to... <laughs> not to be chronological, but we're going to write the word seals. Okay, seals. All right. There is a literary breakdown that carries on, and this is very significant that you guys need to understand that, because even though there's a, as there is a recapitulation with regards to what the seals, trumpets, and bowls are about, there is also a literary recapitulation that John uses, and it's four and three, or four, two, and one, or four, one and two, depending on how, how you interpret it. I say it's four and three. Four seals, three seals. Okay, and, uh, they, and when you go through it, you'll see that there's four trumpets and three trumpets, each with a specific emphasis. Then there will be four bowls, and then there will be three bowls. And there is an interlude in every one of the, the, uh, of the judgment scenarios. So this is, this is specifically used by John as a recurring theme to bring emphasis to certain things. Okay, so what are the seals? What do we have here? We have, let's just do the first four. One, two, three, and four. What do we call those? The horsemen. The horsemen. What do the horsemen release? Right. What kind of judgment? Because we got, we got judgment from now on until chapter 20 of Revelation. What is, yeah, what type of judgment? <laughs> Bad judgment. Wait, yeah. It's for a punishment for the persecution of the church in Christ. Yeah. It is that. Uh, it, uh, oh, good. Yes. It, it creates the general character of the society uh, or of uh, the city of man, which is the word that we've been using here, during the church age. Okay? So it forms. The, the character. and What is the character of the city of man in the church age? Let's list them. What's the first one? White horse. Not Jesus. Political military conquest. So there's this con idea of conquest. Conquest, okay? White horse. What's the next one? Strife and murder. Good. She's been holding on to that one. There you go. Murder. Or, what's the other thing that happens here? Removal of peace. A. Peace. 
Okay, no peace. All right, what's the next one? Famine and disparity. Okay, famine, disparity. Okay, right? So these, you can see all of these today, right? Yeah. Still today. Almost in an exacerbated kind of forward progress that they kind of continue to go. What's the last one? Pestilence, Pestilence which is a death. Death by all means. And what is, yes, always. And what is, what follows after death? Okay, where do Christians go when they die? Not death, not Hades. Okay, so they go to the altar. So these are four horsemen. And so, and Hades. And this is another thing that John uses as a literary structure throughout the book is contrast. Contrast. And he parallels things throughout the book. And so we have the death and Hades, but what is uh, chapter uh, seal six, um, four, five? Sorry. What is seal five? Rick just said it. Saints under the altar. Saints under the altar. Good. Saints. Now, what's the contrast here? What is John trying to, to show you the differentiation between? We also see it in seals 6 and 7, but what's the contrast here? Right. With regards to what? Their death. Okay? So the death of the ungodly, what is their outcome? It's no fun. What is the death or the outcome of the death of the beloved, the saints? Altar with the Lord. So we have an altar here. And the saints, when they die, go here. So you have, the, uh, you have this juxtaposition here between what happens to those who die apart from the Lord and what happens to those who die during with the Lord. And this is all, again, within the confines of the church age. Okay? So we got to keep that in mind. All right. We've got two more seals to go. What are they? Six and seven. Okay. What is six? The end of the age. And there is a specific people group that are emphasized in this particular seal. What are they? No. That's in the interlude, which I, I will get to in just a second. The great ones, the, the, the peoples of the earth, what will they do? That's right. And not, cry out, mountains fall on us. Who can stand in the great day of wrath, right? So sixth seal is, um, is the end of the age specifically as it pertains to the ungodly. All right? Seventh seal. What do we see in the seventh seal? And we blazed through it last week, and I, I hope it, some of it was able to stick with you. I'm sorry? Silence and trumpets. No, the sixth seal is not the trumpets. I'm sorry, the seventh seal is not the trumpets. Yeah, it points toward... There is a trumpet interlude in the seal that is a segue from the seals to the trumpets. Then this is very important, and there's a reason for that. But what is the seventh seal? 
This is not a song by Van Halen, although it is. Yes, the incense. What does the incense represent? Prayers of the saints. So here's what you have. You have another juxtaposition here. You have the end of the age as it pertains to the ungodly. And you have the end of the age as it pertains to the saints. While the saints cry out, who can stand? Fall on us. The saints are praying, Lord, when will? Okay? So what you have here is a connection between the two, which is the end of the age. And I'm going to circle this because this is the end of the age. But what you have here is a connection that is kind of not specific to the actual end of the age, but it, it, it has to do with, with why the end of the age comes out. It's because of the wickedness of humanity or the people of the end of the age who cry out against God. And we'll see that throughout Revelation where it doesn't matter what happens, men harden their hearts. And we'll talk about that here in a minute. And then we have another picture of the end of the age, but the saints who do what during the end of the age? Or, or who do what throughout the church throughout the church age in preparation for the end? What do they do? What, what do people do? What do we always call people to? Prayer. And this is another one of those hope points where God answers the prayers of the saints. So what you have is you have a, just a, a, a contrast between what the end of the age is about for the unbeliever and what the end of the age is about for the saint. So two together combine to, to bring about the end of the age. Now this is important. So when the trumpet bla when the, when the sixth, seventh seal is open, there's a silence in heaven. What does the silence stand for? We spoke about it last week. Coming judgment. There's always silence in, in two places in Scripture in the Old Testament where it was said, watch me now, be silent. Come and stand before the Lord, be silent, and then God executes judgment. Okay? All right. Now, in between the fifth and the sixth seal, there's an interlude. What's this interlude? Not visions. Rick spoke about it. 144,000. Who are the 144,000? The tribes. Who are the 144,000? The elect on the earth. Okay? And then there's a break in chapter 7, and then there's a new depiction of the throne room of heaven where the multitude stands before the throne room. What is that a depiction of? The elect in heaven. So you see the elect in two different positions. And the 144,000 is a significant number. Is it Israel? Is it national Israel? No. Okay, who, who is it? All believers. Okay, what? The elect of Israel and the elect of Gentiles times 10 squared multitude. Okay, so 12 completion, 12 completion. That's why there was 12 disciples. That's why there were 12 tribes. Numbers are significant throughout Scripture. 40 is a huge number. 40 years, 40 days. It rained 40 days in the ark. Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. The children of Israel crossed the wilderness for 40 years. There's 40 is very significant. 40 is also the number of a generation. So there's, there's all of these numbers that are significant throughout Scripture. Yes, Bob? What I like about the 144,000 besides 12 times 12 equals 144. 
the thousand is uh, ten cubed, and ten being symbolic of perfection. So perfection times perfection times perfection. Yeah. Uh, it's wow. It's 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 really it really emphasizes perfection. All right. So now let's look at the effects of all of these. So we have the sealing of the saints. What are they sealed against? This is significant when we get to the trumpets. What are they sealed against? Are they sealed against the effects of the four horsemen? No. They're sealed against the judgment of God. What is that likened unto in the Old Testament? Two quick reference. Passover. Ezekiel 9. Where the angel comes to Ezekiel and says, uh, Ezekiel is allowed to see the angels dialoguing. And the one angel, the death angel, says to the other angels, go through the city and seal all those who have not committed idolatry. And then once that's done, the other angels go through and slaughter everybody that has not been sealed. It's a very significant passage. The other thing about that is that the depiction of the angels going through and slaughtering the people without the seal is depicted as the angels hovering over the city and throwing fire on the city. What happens in the seventh seal when the prayers of the saints are answered? Fire is thrown to the earth. Okay, so there's a lot to do with fire. Another quick example of in the seventh seal, we have a depiction of fire as judgment being thrown to the earth. The first three seals, the first, I'm sorry, the first three trumpets all have fire coming from heaven included in them. So there's ties into all of this stuff. So this is why I want to give you guys a broad picture so we go through. Now, now where do the first four seals start? When do they start? When Christ's ascension. Therefore, what we see are the effects going all the way back and affecting the church age, or the, the, the first century church depicted in chapters 2 and 3, right? Okay? So the, uh, the saints under the altar is also throughout the church age, and it goes to here. Fifth seal, okay? They are under the altar. Now, the church is then sealed here by, that, by, that, uh, by the interlude, and then what is significant about, if this depicts the general character of the church age, what is significant about the end of the age being depicted there? Because it's really out of, uh, uh, it's, it really has no chronological significance it, in, in that it, it depicts at the end of the church age. What is the significance as it relates to the other seals? Just, just trying to prime the pump in the way you guys think when you read scripture. What the indication is, is that these, these first five seals continue until the end of the age. Okay, So there's a depiction there. Now, the reason that I, I said to Mary that there's a difference now between, uh, between the seal and the judgment, uh, the trumpet judgments, is because the trumpet judgments really are not a part of the seventh seal. Why? Can anybody think about why? Trumpets are a warning, but there is a huge, huge controversy about that, whether or not they are a warning. These are more like, in my estimation, this is not to contradict you because this is a wide open topic. My personal feeling is, is that the, the, the warnings have pretty well ceased. The trumpets are no longer a warning. 
It's like Pharaoh and the plagues. Was God warning Pharaoh or was God intending to do something else with the plagues? God hardened his heart. So that's a key point. The point of the judgment, the point of the plagues in Egypt was to demonstrate God's sovereignty over the, over the deities of Egypt. Each one of the plagues is a specific attack by God on a deity of the Egyptians. And God showed himself sovereign to the people of Egypt. That's why God continued to harden Pharaoh's heart. And we'll see that very concept throughout, the, throughout Revelation where the trumpet judgments come and the people of the earth refuse to repent and yet continue to even make their hard, hearts more hard. Okay? The other thing about the trumpets and the bowls is that they're not leveled at the church. That's what the ceiling is about. The trumpets and the bowls are not leveled at the church. There's a difference here where the church is included in a lot of this, but in the trumpets and bowls, the effects are not specifically at them, although in many instances they will see or feel the effects of them, especially the first four trumpets. Okay, so there's silence in heaven. Now what happens? Now once the seventh seal is broken, what, is that, what does that depict? What does that indicate? Remember there are two things going on here. There's a scroll. It's sealed. If I give it to you, and say, what does the scroll say? You got to open it. These are preludes to the opening of the seal. These are general preludes. These are general prefaces. What these are is they set the stage. They provide the framework. They reveal the character. This is the framework. This this seven seals are the framework into which the bowls, judgments, and everything after Chapter 7, fall into. Okay? So now we go from general character to specific judgment. And we have to be careful because we cannot say that because now, now that if we say that it's, it's chronological, the seventh seal had to be broken before the trumpets blow, what do we run into? We run into a conundrum, right? right from right there, what's the conundrum? chronological. Why is that a problem? The problem is, is that if the trumpets follow the seventh seal, what does the seventh seal depict? The end of the age. Where are the trumpets going? There's no place for them to go. So that's the problem with chronological theology. You've got a depiction of the end of the age and then all of a sudden the trumpets blow. When? After the end of the age? No, so there's a recapitulation. And so what we'll see is, is that there is a correlation between seals and trumpets and seals and bowls. Rick. That's why dispensational theology interprets the sixth seal not to be the end of the age, but to be tribulation. Yeah. Just increased tribulation and the seven year, actually this, during the yeah. beginning of the seven years. That is true. That is true. So it's a, it's a, it's a wide disparity on the uh, interpretation of terms. Okay, So you have to be aware of that. And when you read commentaries, one of the things, I hope one of these days you guys would just take it on yourselves to just restudy Revelation. 
It has a profound effect on the way you understand theology, the way you understand what's going on in the world today, the way you understand Christianity, and the way you will understand the Old Testament. It has a profound effect on every aspect of your Christian life. And when you start to study it again, you'll buy commentaries and you'll read them and you'll go, wait a minute, that can't be. And it's okay to say that. I mean, commentaries are not sacred writ. You just have to be aware of that. Just because somebody said it that has a lot of letters after his name doesn't make it right. Okay? All right, so now we're ready for what? What are we ready for? Now that the seals are broken, what can happen? The scroll is open. All right, now we're going to do this because this represents a scroll. So now what do we have? We have the contents of the scroll opening. And there's writing on it, front and back. And what's the first thing that we start to read about? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven trumpets. Now, the reason I drew them under this timeline that represents what? The church age is because they are, they are occurring during the church age. And they occur with increased intensity. This is where we run into our problem. We're waiting for a trumpet to blow and then like a third of the trees just to evaporate. All right, that's not the way it works. The trumpet has blown and the church and the trees and things are being destroyed. And it's a process, okay? So it's a judgment against. So that's what you have to fix your gaze on. Okay, so this is the idea. So the seal judgment, once, once the seals are done, it constitutes the character of the church age. And now what we're going to do is read the specifics that go on according to God's judgment during the church age, more, more focused, more, more specific. Okay, so um, that's where we're at. Now, real quick, do we have any questions? Because I'm going to go through this introduction pretty quickly. Seven seat that the the scroll has been opened, uh, and and is with the ascension, right? We started we, yeah. when they opened those. So six and seven, chapter six and seven, are already in progress and in process, right? No, and that's again what I said at the beginning. So what we see is we're moving toward that, and everything is building up to that. Okay, but that that was part of the uh, opening of they opened all seven scrolls. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you said seal. chapter six and seven. Oh, chapter six and seven. No seal. I'm sorry. Seal. I, I sorry. Seal six and seven. Seal six and seven were opened already. Yeah, but but what they are open to is to depict what John is saying. So this is one of those areas that we have okay. to be careful in, okay. um, because seal six and seven also are reflected in what trumpet and what bowl. Seven, the seventh trumpet in the seventh bowl. Okay. So in every judgment, in every judgment sequence that John, John is, is has revealed to him, there is a series of of judgments that are poured out, and every one of the judgments ends in the same depiction, and that is the end of the age, which indis, indicates that there is a linear, there is a continuity between all of them. 
Okay. There, there is a continuity. It hasn't yet happened. Well, I don't, I don't see any problem with, uh, with the seal six and seven uh, being uh, opened. Right. Uh, the, and, and, and it just isn't happened. That didn't happen yet. Whatever. Right. Yeah. That's exactly what the picture is. Okay. Okay. It's a revelation to John. This is what's going to happen. And in order to reinforce that, I'm going to show you that the same thing's going to happen at the end of every judgment series because then we take it step back and we look at it collectively. At the end of God's judgment is what? The end of the age, the second coming. All right? So what we're seeing is a judgment phase that ends. And if you just keep this broad perspective in your mind, you're seeing throughout the book of Revelation a judgment phase, all of which ends at the end of the age. Okay? All right. So the general character into which the scroll is read ends with the end of the age. The specific judgments depicted by the trumpets end with the end of the age. The bowls of woe that are poured out on the earth continue throughout the church age, but end in what? The end of the age. Okay? So there is a, there is a recapitulation that goes on there, and it's demonstrated by the sixth, seventh seal, seventh trumpet, seventh bowl. All right, does it make sense? Okay, good. Any other questions? I had Grace, you had a question? Oh, all right. Any other quick questions before I draw a link between seal and trumpet? I'll give you a general overview. Okay, ready? All right, I didn't have notes this week, so just scribble it on the back of something. Um, so the last seal has finally been opened and the contents of the scroll itself is now revealed. The sixth seal introduces the beginning of the last judgment. I, I use the word beginning in par parenthetically. With depictions of the comprehensive cosmic destruction and the cries of the ungodly as they face their judgment. We just said that. So there's a juxtaposition there with seal six and seal seven. Uh, this is contrasted also by the depiction of the sealed saints in chapter seven who, like those who spread the... Um, the blood on their doorposts in Exodus are passed over by the outpouring of wrath. See how this is preparatory? Okay. So the sealing of the saints in the interlude is preparatory. It's a preface. God has already sealed you. He, yes. You are, yeah. You have been passed from death to life. Done deal. Okay. So... This notion of waiting for a seal as different from your election, although they are different things, it's one and the same, quite honestly. Okay? God doesn't wait till you're born and then just kind of wait with a stamp. And then once you say, Jesus, come into my heart, boom. Okay, you're sealed. God, that number is known. That number is known from all creation. John says that you have, you have been elected from the foundations of the earth. You've been in God's heart. As long as there's been God, you've been in God's heart. That's a pretty significant, kind of a funky concept. You've been loved eternally. Isn't that an interesting thought? Before you were, you were loved. Wow. Yeah, and known, and the, the word there is not just, the word known means intimately known, as a man knows his wife. It's a pretty powerful thing. 
All right, the seventh seal continues the picture of the final judgment or seal six, which here connects both directly to the prayer of the saints recorded by John as part of the fifth seal. So you see the co continuation? So these are both connected to the prayer of the saints. This is why people who are apologists who understand the signs of the times who understand what's going on are constantly telling the church to do what? Pray. Because God partners with your prayers. Don't ask me how that works. That's the beauty of being reformed. I can say, I don't know. Because I don't know. I don't know how God marries your prayers with His will. I, I have some, you know, some technical concepts that I think work that way, but but prayer. God has answered the prayers of the saints and thrown the censer to the earth. All right? The censer that contains your prayers. The final judgment is the chron chronological endpoint of 6 and 7. God will show himself to be sovereign, holy, and true in his judgments at the conclusion of history. All right. The con in conclusion, then, the breaking of the seals signifies that Christ has revealed the meaning of Old Testament eschatological Im imagery concerning rede redemption and judgment. That is why I continually say I could teach the entire gospel out of the book of Revelation. Because every question that needs to be answered is, is answered in Revelation. Ezekiel, Daniel specifically, Isaiah, Numbers, Exodus... Hosea, Zechariah, all of these are wrapped up into, kings are all wrapped up into uh, imagery in Revelation. The, uh, the above-mentioned points are specifically depicted in the first five seals. The last two seals also interpret and fulfill Old Testament prophecy that have not yet been set into motion in history since the depiction of the final judgment. Since they depict the final judgment, we've already said that. All right, similarly, the first six trumpets... I'm sorry? Oh, sorry. I'm just kind of recapping what we've already said. Okay. Now, here's where we get into the new stuff. Similarly, the first six trumpets are judgments which anticipate the final judgment depicted in the seventh trumpet. So, like the seven seals, the first six are, are judgments that anticipate the final judgment. In chapter, in verse 2 of chapter 8, the angels and the trumpets are revealed parenthetically or as an interlude like we had between the 5th and the 6th seal. But they do not commence blowing the trumpets Where am I at? until the seventh seal is concluded by the depiction of the end of the age. So these trumpets are not blown until the scroll is opened. All right? And the seventh seal has to be cracked for the scroll to be opened. And the cracking of the seventh seal contains what? The prayers of the saints being thrown to the earth and the 30 minutes of silence. Not the seven trumpets. Okay? Um... 
This parenthesis then points to the fact that the entire following series of trumpets as well as the entire series of bold judgments yet to be revealed to John are also the divine response to the prayers of the saints verbalized in seal 5. So you see how this all ties together? Trumpets and bold judgments are the response by the censor being thrown to the earth of God to the prayers of the saints. So everything that happens from this point on it's our fault. Actually, let me say this about prayer. It's our, it's our privilege to participate in God's plans by prayer. That's really the way to say it. Yeah. Yes. And isn't that what Peter says as we hasten the day of the Lord? You ever wondered why Peter said that? How can we hasten the day of the Lord? Prayer. Prayer. Lord, how long? Just a little while longer until the wickedness and the sins of those that stand opposed to me are full and all the elect have come. All right, this reveals that God has begun and continues to answer the prayer of the saints, which we've just said throughout the church age, which culminates in the consummation of that answer at the final judgment. So the saints' prayer are being answered throughout this timeline, but they're con the, the answer is consummated in the final judgment. Just like now, you have a deposit of the Holy Spirit of the new creation within you. All of you do. Right? But it's in What? What is, your, what is this? A body sold under sin. Paul talks about that all the time. So, an earthen vessel. So it's unconsummated. It's not yet revealed, but it's deposited. That's what we see throughout church, the church age. Okay? Um, so there are two Old Testament reference, and i got to stop here pretty quick. There are two Old Testament reference that this all goes back to, that, that the trumpets and the bowls, especially the trumpets, let me just do this real quick. I don't want to leave you guys hanging. Um, I don't know if I can do this quickly enough. Literary parallels, no, I won't do that. So we've already said all that, okay. So the trumpets parallel the what? The plagues of Egypt. And I'm going to read this rapidly, and, uh, and, and this will probably be re-picked up throughout, but I just want to give you a, a, a foundational ground lay. The Old Testament foreshadows the Exodus plagues and the trumpets of Jericho. The plagues of Exodus, the first five trumpets are patterned after five of the plagues exacted on Egypt in Exodus. The first trumpet, hail, fire, and blood, corresponds to the plague of hail and fire in Exodus 9. The second and third trumpet, judgments on the seas and rivers, corresponds to the plague on the Nile. The fourth trumpet, darkness, corresponds to the plague of darkness. And the fifth trumpet, locusts, corresponds to that plague, to that plague released by the trumpets. Okay. As with the Egyptian plagues, the trumpet judgments are directed toward unrepentance, hardness of heart, idolatry. The plagues in Egypt were executed against particular Egyptian gods and those who persecuted God's people. So, um, hardness of heart is an interesting concept. 
God purposely hardened Pharaoh's heart to demonstrate his sovereignty over, over Pharaoh. And even after he, Pharaoh relented and let the, uh, the Israelites go, what did God do? Hardened his heart, and they chased him down. Now, the picture of the people going through the Red Sea is a wonderful picture of Revelation. What do they go through? The sea. What are you and I going through? The sea. But the Lord has parted it because he sealed us. And so the waters of chaos do not overtake us. And Moses, who is a depiction of Christ, leads us through these waters. And then Mo Moses, or Jesus, who has gone before us, like Moses, stands on the mountaintop on the other side, which is very significant, as we come across. That's a cool picture. All right? The other picture is, oh, just so you guys know, the, the picture of Noah's Ark is also a picture of that very thing. Did you know the word, the word that and the ark rested, the word rest there is the, actually the word that God uses, the very uh, uh, Hebrew word that God uses for his sabbatical rest after he created? So when the ark rested on Mount Ararat, it came to sabbatical rest. And it is significant because Peter tells us that the eight were saved not from water, but through water go back to the children of Israel that went through the water and they floated on in the safety of the ark the chaos of the sea and then after the flood which was how many months say it out loud seven the ark came to rest on the mountain of God Mount Ararat and the same word is used as Sabbath rest so it depicts the end of the age, the church coming to rest on the mountain of God at the end of the age. What is that a picture of? Revelation chapter 21, wherein I saw a great city, the bride of Christ, come down and settle on the great mountain of God. Did you know there's no great mountains in Israel? It's the depiction of God's sovereignty. Because we go back to Jer uh, Daniel, what does Daniel say that the rock was cut out of? the mountain of God. All has to do with God's sovereignty. So, just so you guys think about it. Also, the trumpets have a direct parallel with Jericho. Seven days they marched around. The last one they marched around and before they blew the seventh trumpet, what was there? You shall not say a word. There was silence. And then the trumpets blew and the walls fell. Same thing. Seven trumpets. The ark of God carried with them. The seven trumpets are blown from the throne room, which is the presence of God. A lot of parallels, okay? So I'm going to have to break now um, because there's some setup that needs to be done because we're in Advent. But just know that we are now gone from the seals into the actual release of the scroll and the contents of the scroll. The seven trumpets, which, are, which have their referent in two Old Testament depictions, of Jericho and Exodus, the plagues of Exodus, are now unleashed upon the world. But they have also been released upon the world. Okay? So as we go through them, you can start to see the correlation with what's going on in the world and tie them back to the seals. Okay? All right. I'm going to be done. Lord, we thank you for your calling and your election and your protection and your sovereignty and your goodness, and your mercy, and your love, and all the things that are ours in you. And we recognize that 
in this season that you came to earth to establish all of these things. We are, we are grateful. In Jesus' name, amen.